supporting Better believe your butt on Jenna and I once decided we were going to make brandy cherries because then we could jar them and give them away as gifts slash have brandy cherries. Always ready to go in the house. Always ready to go. That's a great plan because actually having like a, a maraschino or just a candied cherry of any kinds is great, especially if you make cocktails. Truly. It was going to be like the cutest moment ever. What it ended up being was also very cute. But also, we did not get the deep pitter, which I think, frankly, was a mistake. Although, Jenna did, a, mistake. Jenna did a lot of research, and structural integrity was maintained by keeping the pit in, so I will vouch for that one. No. You're being rude. Who cares about structural integrity when you're going to bite your teeth off? Truly. Anyways. After five Manhattans. <laughs> after one Manhattan, frankly. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Anyways. So we did that. That was cute. But we were concerned about, you know, the risks associated with jarring things. So we're like, what can we do to make this safer? Follow proper sterilization practices of these jars? Absolutely not. We were like, you know what? We'll buy white lightning, overproof liquor, so that we can successfully kill off any germs. Yikes. It was a very strong cherry. <laughs> but nobody died, which is great. That is great. Did you also use, like, brandy? Yeah, we used a ton of brandy. A ton of brandy and also white lightning. Yeah, it was very potent. We could have died. I mean, I don't want to say that you could have died, but literally the entire episode is about to be about how you could die. I'm into it. Because this is Pantry Staples. The podcast where we dish on your favorite foods. And I'm Emily. And I'm Marika. And... To close out this series on food disasters, we're going to demonize one of North America's greatest food inventions. The can. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yes. Tell me more. Tell me more. The miracle Did he of... have a car? Sorry. <laughs> yes. The miracle of 50s convenience and the pinnacle of industrialized food preparation has a bloated, dented dark side. That was excellent. Thank you so much. Also, I know I've mentioned it already about the Flinders Petrie and his exploding cans on yeah. excavations, but I just need to remind you that that's a thing that a real person did. Dug these cans into the ground, only to redig them up next archaeology season and throw them at things. And if they exploded, they didn't eat them. Because obviously. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you why that, that was maybe... I mean, it wasn't a wrong choice, but it wasn't actually helpful, foolproof. Oh, perfect. Um, but I yes. knew he was wrong. <laughs> We're talking about botulism, my friends. Botulism, baby. Yeah. So, okay, first, uh, a brief history of canning. Please. Which we've, like, semi-talked about before, mm. but, like, this is... This is all about the cans. Yeah, yeah. Cans, taking center stage. <laughs> At Con, It's a film festival. It's winning the Palm Door. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. I thought that was great, though. It was great. Please continue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so canning as a method of food preservation was first developed in France. Oh, my God. Was Not. it? No, okay. Necessarily in Con. All the... No. <laughs> in the early 19th century... Okay. And it was introduced to the U.S. by about 1825. Seems very early. It was very early. 
Um, and then after the Civil War, when soldiers uh, were further introduced to canned foods through rations, the can gradually infiltrated the average household. The average household. In the United States. Okay. 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 Initially, consumers were skeptical because, of course, all new tech is very scary. Today, I literally looked at the iPad as I was trying to figure out how to look at shoes online at work. And I just, like, looked at it and, like, clicked on something. And I was like, ah, it's too much stimulus. And Seb looks at me and he just goes, if you think that's too much stimulus, like, I got a really concern. I'm really concerned about using the internet in general. (laughs) He's like, sometimes I just get so stimulated depending on which sites I go to. And I was like, that was a hilarious joke there, Seb. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, firm no for me. The second reason that people were skeptical of cans was because they weren't used to the mushy texture and appearance of the canned foods, which, of course, are boiled for long hours in order to basically become a canned food. Frankly, that tracks, and I would be concerned, too. I remember the first time I had chicken noodle soup out of a can instead Mm. of out of a packet. I would not eat it. Any noodle coming out of a can? Disgusting. Firm no. Firm no. Mushy no. Mushy no! Indeed. The people at this time were used to eating local, fresh food that you could see and touch and smell before unmolding it on a dish. What a concept, hey? Yeah. But the men behind Big Can... Big Can. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep using that term. Thank you. They persevered, which originally had misspelled as preserved, which is very... That uh, is very apt. funny. Throw back to Blake Lively's website, Preserve. No comment. They persevered and took a multifaceted approach to can promotion. A multifaceted... Okay, thank you. Yep. One, they built machines to streamline the canning process. Two, they hired agricultural scientists to develop crops that were well-suited to being canned. That's Three, creepy. I don't like that at all. See our corn episode. For yeah, truly. Three, they lobbied the government to, graft, to draft pure food laws. Mmm... Those pure food laws. We love them so. Regular listeners of this show will know all of these points mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. Big Can was wildly successful. Duh. Because now you can't even get soup that isn't in a can. You can't get most things that aren't in cans. Canned foods are ubiquitous. Yes, completely. Mm-hmm. But we're still talking about a time when that was dubious. Love. Because for decades, the industry was haunted by the very foe that canning was invented to conquer. Spoilage! Mon dieu! Mm-hmm. Mm. Canning as a, pro- as a process kills bacteria and creates a vacuum seal to keep new bacteria out. But only if done correctly. <laughs> very key points. Yeah. If the water bath isn't hot enough, if the boiling is uneven, the processing time too short... The seal's weak disaster can strike. And all it takes is a few hundred poisonings for all your pure food lobbies to look like a pile of bullshit. Just a few hundred. Just a few hundred. If it had been exclusively 100, they would have been fine. But once it headed into that second hundred, they're like, "Mm mm-mm, something's gotta give. With the advent of germ theory and new understandings of sanitization and microbes, canners were in pretty good position by the early 20th century. But they still had one white whale remaining. <laughs> Clostridium botulinum. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. A bacteria that produces 
as every article I read for this episode cannot fail to mention, the deadliest toxin known to mankind. Incredible. Like, seriously. It was like, come on, God. Like, really? Is it really the most deadly toxin? I don't know, because everything that I read said it was, and I didn't bother to look up contrary evidence. Isn't, like, snake venom a toxin? I feel like rattlesnakes are more dangerous than botulism. (sighs) Not according to botulism articles. (laughs) I'd still rather have a can of botulism food than a rattlesnake in my pantry. I don't know that you would. Honestly, you've seen my pantry. There's a very good chance I just won't get to it. But a rattlesnake, that'd bite my hand off every damn time. (laughs) Maybe. Anyway, so every article about botulism says that it's the most deadly toxin. It also starts the very same way, so it would be wrong to deviate. Botulism is a rare but severe illness caused by exposure to a toxin produced during the growth of the Clostridium botulinum bacteria. Basically, it's a neurotoxin that uh, attacks your body's nerves, causing difficulty breathing, muscle paralysis, and eventual death. And isn't it quite, like, I don't want to say slow acting, but slow to emerge? It? Like, it can, it's a couple of days or something like that, or a little while before, like, after you've eaten it, before you see anything? Yeah, it can be. Like, some of the articles, like, I have a bunch of cases that I'm going to read later, where, like, I didn't really track all of the science, because I just want to talk about, like, the instances, because it's... Hilarious. Yeah. Um, I love botulism. I think it's the funniest one of yeah. the toxins. And the reason, like, mo- like all of the cases that I'm going to talk about later, like, no one dies, so we can, we we can, can joke laugh. about it. But, um, except for, like, the first one. But anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's, they, they all, a lot of the reasons that these things weren't detected initially as botulism outbreaks is because, in some instances, it was, like, 10 days later where people developed symptoms. That's crazy. And it's only by, like, tracing it back. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, crazy, crazy. Interesting. But, yes, it's a neurotoxin, so mm-hmm. it fucks with your brain. Not something I want fucked with. Absolutely not. <sighs> not at all. The CDC webpage on botulism notes that the botulism bac- botulinum bacteria are found naturally in many places, but it's rare for them to make you sick. Hmm. So don't worry. I hate when people say things like that. It's like, I am concerned about all germs, and I'd like to pretend that they don't exist anywhere except for in the times when they're germy. Don't just say, oh, we have a germ here, but it's not a big deal. Yeah, this is basically just being like, yeah, this is probably on everything you touch, but it's pretty improbable that it's going to be an issue. Truly unhelpful, but thank you. Botulinum toxin is completely undetectable by sight, smell, or taste, and thrives in oxygen-free environments like, I don't know, say, a sealed canned good. Hmm. Suspect. So, yes. Watch out for canned goods that are dented or bulging, but not because those necessarily mean they contain botulism, but because they have probably been improperly canned, which means that the chance that botulinum toxin is able to grow inside is much more likely. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's actually very good to know. I 100% thought in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's because once this bacteria grows, it produces a lot of like CO2 and that's what that is. It's just a lot of traffic gas. You know, much worse. Okay, good. It's just that like, it's been poorly canned, so therefore it's, like, screwy. And therefore, botulism could be there. But you could have a fully perfect, normal-looking can 
riddled with botulism. The scariest thing you've said on this podcast. I know. <laughs> Please note the intense eye contact that was just made while you <laughs> delivered this point. Like, I need you to know it's freaky AF. Yeah, because that's what I read. Because I was always under the impression where it's like, oh, mm. it's just like a bloated can. It's got botulism. It's like, no, it's just like probably full of other shit oh dear tomato farts yeah that's why best before dates are a thing i guess i don't really believe in those either (sighs) i know anyway back to canners Hmm. 1919 a deadly botulism outbreak resulted in 18 deaths Hmm. and several serious illnesses across the united states you already have the spanish influenza and the war how much more can we take 18 deaths because of botulism. Mm. The offending canned product? Black olives packed in California. Those wily Californians. <laughs> oh no. See what happens when you don't buy local? <laughs> uh, the deaths were hugely publicized and seriously threatened the future of the canning industry in general. <laughs> You're laughing, but it's actually true. I know, I know. I'm just like, I love the idea that it's so dangerous that the canning industry would go down. Like, if this goes down, the whole ship sinks. But here's the thing. Like, so this is 18 deaths, which is, like, a lot, but also, like... Everyone dies every minute. Yeah, and, like, in terms of some of the disaster waves we've covered, Mm -hmm. it's, like, medium. But, like, botulism outbreaks, like, the ones that I'm going to cover that are, like, within the last, like, 20 or so, well... 40 or so years it's like two outbreaks like two cases of botulism like and these people recovered and it's like that is considered a serious outbreak like that's how bad botulism is like one case is considered an outbreak really yes oh that's interesting why um i don't know if it's because just because of the high probability that there's somebody else who's been affected by it probably and just because it's so toxic Hmm. is the deadliest toxin known to mankind (laughs) So yes, hugely publicized. December 1919, so a little bit later, the canning and olive industries came together to fund a botulism commission in order to prevent further outbreaks. I love that the olive people are getting involved. They're like, oh God, we have to do something. They do, because I think like it's 1990. Like they don't really know what's up. Like they know that germs are a thing, whatever. But they're Mm -hmm. also definitely like people are going to blame the olives. Truly. Because if it's canned olives, people are just going to be like, "Mm, it's the olives. Much in the same way that I feel like we're still to this day and age, like if somebody gets sick off of like tainted lettuce or something Mm. like that, we're still like, I guess it's the lettuce that's the problem. Like nobody's sitting there being like, fuck the one producer. It's like, nope, recall all lettuce, you know? Or it's just like, like the industrial complex of food. Mm -hmm. It's just like, nope, Mm -hmm. romaine. Oy, oy, oy. Romaine is dirty lettuce. It's dirty little lettuce. Clearly. It's dirty, slutty lettuce. The commission's findings lead to stricter regulations for olive processing, as well as a California-wide inspection service overseen by the State Board of Health. Six years later, these same regulations had become standardized for many processed foods, notably except for tomatoes. Interesting. Part of this, like later I was reading, it has like botulism is less common in highly acidic foods. Mm. So like, I guess tomatoes are fine, but then like tomatoes have their own business going like Heinz and all that. And I, I genuinely was like, I bet you it's cause Heinz paid it's them off. Definitely. Like for shark. Heinz is my celebrity crush. We know you literally said this all the time. Two episodes ago. Every time. I won't not say it. So brief history of botulism and the industrials industrialization of food, etc. All of the bread and butter things that we loved to talk about on this show. But 
the real reason that I'm doing this episode. My dad and I were talking about what I should do for my last episode of the season. Mm -hmm. And he was listing off food disasters, which was like from a listicle on the internet. And then paused and said, quote, not a full quote, but I'm just going to quote because dramatic effect. Basically a quote. Wasn't there a botulism outbreak in Vancouver restaurants back in the 90s? And at first I assumed he was talking about the classic book, Stanley Park. And just as I was about to say, I don't think you can get botulism from eating pigeons. He pulled up some articles. Oh, I'm going to need you to circle back to the pigeons after, but we'll get to that later. Oh, it's a book, Stanley Park. Uh, it's basically like about, like I don't know, Vancouver in the 90s, but a wild time. They're working in restaurants. They're like going to Stanley Park and like Why grabbing they... pigeons to cook in the restaurant for squat. Disgusting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Love that. Anyways. Very fun probably uh problematic now in the mm-hmm. anyway it's been a while mm, so yeah i'm just gonna like basically read this bulletin from the cdc please do because it's so great okay <clears throat> quote update a restaurant in vancouver british columbia has been the source of two discrete clusters of botulism cases during the latter half of summer eight, 1985 The eating establishment, the White Spot Restaurant at 1616 Georgia Street, is located near Stanley Park, a popular attraction. No, not the White Spot by Stanley Park! It's gone now, so it's fine. I had a very unpleasant dinner there once. I threw up the whole night after. Probably just because you shouldn't have that much milkshake when you're, like, ten. Or could it be because eight cases have been recognized in the first cluster, which followed a meal at this restaurant between July 26 and August 2. An additional 26 cases have been recognized in the second cluster, which followed meals eaten between August 29 and September 5. Cases have been reported in Canada, the United States, and the Netherlands. There have been no fatalities. Is the place where they've been recognized, is that because people came to that white spot and then traveled abroad? Yes, I think so. People who go to the Netherlands eat at white spot? That's crazy. It's near Stanley Park where the hell else is there to eat in 1985. Oh, so true, so true. Please. A case control study demonstrated two sandwiches on the menu to be highly associated with illness. Highly associated with illness. And further analysis implicated a preparation of chopped garlic in soybean oil as a specific vehicle of intoxication. Mm. It is suspected that the product was unrefrigerated for several months after being opened. Ew. Control measures included voluntary withdrawal of the implicated menu items and the chopped garlic product from all white spot restaurants. End quote. I love that it said voluntary withdrawal. It's like, no kidding. (laughs) The offending menu items. (laughs) Oh my God. So they just had some gnarly ass garlic that they just opened a can of and were like, good luck. It's troubling because, like, working in restaurants, you're like, I can absolutely see how this would happen. Oh, 100%. (laughs) You're just like, some idiot just didn't look at anything, and then nobody followed up. Like, opened a can of something and was just like, okay, fine. Yep. And just left it on the counter. And then I read in other, like, articles quoting this case later, where Mm -hmm. it was like, when it says several months, it means eight months. What? Of just garlic and oil. Which is, like, things kept in oil. Not preserved. It's a full no-no. Isn't oil, when I, again, I might sound like a total idiot here, but Mm. isn't it the same way that, like, if you put something in water, like, that's the equivalent of the danger, because water is just, like, a breeding ground for bacteria. Isn't oil, like, the same thing? 
Yes. Yeah, gross. Honey, weirdly sterile. Oil? No. I'm obsessed with the fact that honey is like a sterile and a natural preservative and doesn't Mm -hmm. like doesn't expire ever. Mm Mm-hmm. Love it. Still though, this podcast would not recommend just like putting random shit in honey and like. No, we super do not recommend that. Okay, I don't think we really recommend that rolling the dice with any sort of food preservations. Not after reading this. No. Because there's more. Oh, no. And I think the second uh, instance is definitely more of the one that my dad was very specifically thinking about. Because when he was, like, talking about it all happening, this was the beginning of the house-made preserves phase that restaurants have never really left. Which, aside from, like, the botulism, I'm all for. 100%. We're all into a homemade ketchup. So yeah, again, I'm just going to like read this full quote because Mm. the language of these reports, wild, obsessed. Okay. In a 1987 botulism outbreak at a hotel restaurant in Vancouver, 11 persons became ill after consuming bottled chanterelle mushrooms contaminated with type A botulism neurotoxin. Not the The chanterelles. The mushrooms were grown on Vancouver Island and bottled at the hotel using an in-house heating process. Mm. One jar recovered during the investigation was found to contain 4,000 minimal lethal dose per milliliters of type A neurotoxin in the liquid phase. Oh, so 4,000 doses per milliliter of lethal botulism in these mushrooms. Shockingly, no one died. What? Yeah, because it just said 11 people became ill. Like, I feel like if people died, they would have said. Yeah. Hmm. They said 11 persons, actually, which I thought was very fun. I know. Very fun. Um, Interesting. What hotel is this? I did do some later sleuthing. It was the Five Sales restaurant at the convention center. I knew it! Should we go? Yes. (laughs) Obviously. Uh, Okay, cool. Yeah, I go. It's still open. Really? Fully still there. Interesting that they recovered from that. Good I mean, I them. guess they weren't named in any of the outbreaks, but like... But bros. if you found it, no. Anyways, hmm. Just... People have such short memories. Of course. I fully went back to that white spot after I threw <laughs> from that. But yeah, like the garlic, these mushrooms were improperly bottled and stored at room temperature for like months. Like, also who's to say? really interesting that they decided that they would do an in-house bottling thing. Like, why was that a decision that was made? It was just like a phase of time for like fancy restaurants to be like, oh yes, like our house cured chanterelles. Like, I don't know. Hmm. Just seems like danger. But it's chefs. They're arrogant fucks. Truly. The same article also mentions a person in Ontario who got botulism from a baked potato. (gasps) Incredible. (laughs) Um, But I feel like they just uh, somehow dosed themselves. Like, I truly, like, I don't know. Like, how, what... Because, like, you'd have to be preserving the potato. I don't know. I mean, I guess... the point of it? Like... But I guess technically you can get it from anywhere, and, like, maybe the potato was old. Like, there was no... There was no... Nothing else, basically. Mm. It's just like, yeah, Ontario, baked potato, botulism. How dare they desecrate our favorite food, the potato. One solitary dude in, like, vague Ontario. (laughs) Yeah. The last incident of BC botulism that I would like to discuss is a person who became sick in 2011. Hmm. And again, I can joke about this because they, they lived, didn't die. Um, but they became sick from eating home canned watermelon jelly. <gasps> Incredible. And really the only question I have is who the fuck eats watermelon jelly? I want that immediately. Do you not want watermelon jelly? 
I don't want a watermelon fresh. Yeah, well, that's your fruit issues. I can't talk to you about that. No. I was reading this a thing, like, and it was just blatantly on the, on the internet. And the top comment with hundreds of likes was, why, is anyone a, why has anybody jellied a watermelon? Why wouldn't you? Because, ew, uh, watermelon has no taste. And it's Everyone's all texture delightful. and the texture's bad. Oh my god, I hate everything about what you're saying right now. Not even the botulism, I just hate your opinions. You would eat watermelon jelly. I would. I don't know what I'd put it on, but I know it would be good. I actually feel like the what would you put it on is a very pertinent question. Like, it can't oh, be I, toast. No, I know. Obviously not toast. I'm thinking like a salad of sorts. Or like a dessert. So many desserts would be good with this. All I can do is blink. I feel like you make a parfait with watermelon jelly in there. I don't know. I'm not a chef. I'm not the creative mind behind this. I just feel it, though. I really do feel that this would work. I feel like if you're going to make watermelon jelly, you deserve to get botulism. Wow. Victim blaming over here. In the instances mentioned, the reason botulism was able to flourish was due to improper preparation. Of the watermelon or the jars? Just canning in general. Hmm. While you should always be careful of home canned foods... The good news is that it is super easy to give botulism a one in a billion chance of survival. <laughs> Simply cook the food product in question at 250 degrees Fahrenheit for three minutes, which is a process known as 12D. 12D. The 12D process. You gotta 12D it up. Just 250 Fahrenheit. Three minutes! There you go. So yeah, deadliest toxin known to man. What's a food that you would try... Even if there was like a pretty significant threat of botulism. Anything? I'm really into the preserved lemons that are cropping up all over the place. I'm very into a preserved lemon. I feel like the thing is it's like it's pretty rare to get botulism these days. Like we have so like our canning things are even so much better now than they were in like the nineties. The eighties. Yeah, like it's just, I mean mostly for like home things, because I know I could fuck around and do something messed up. Oh, I've had so much semi-questionable home canned things. Like, mm -hmm. when we were in Denmark, we had, uh, like, a mm, elderflowery liqueur. Mm, lovely. From, like, one of our, like, cousins twice removed or whatever the heck. Mm. And it was, like, clearly not canned properly because it's, like, the label is still on, like, the jar that she's used, like, for a second time to put this thing in. Oh. <laughs> but it was delicious. We all lived. Well, there so. you go. Maybe it's a really long delay. Like, decades <laughs> long delayed for botulism. I feel like the fact that there's maybe, like, booze and it helped. That's so. the thing, is only trust the things with alcohol. I guess. I have some homemade pickles and some relish that was canned mm. for me from Jules, and I'm very excited to eat that. That's very nice. Yeah. Did I tell you about the time I tried to make jam? When? Like years ago. Didn't realize it would thicken up even more after you like take it off the heat. Mm. So I made basically jelly. Like like a firm block of a jelly-like substance. Yeah. It's okay though. I tried my best. That's like any time that my dad's mom would make like crab apple jelly. Mm. And like crab apples have like, like apples have natural pectin in yep. it. And then she would add pectin nope. to make jam. And Back it was hole. like a full like. Just a brick. Yeah. Mm, delicious. I mean, the flavor is pretty good, but it's... I love a crab apple anything. Well, I'm glad we haven't died yet. Same. Mm. It sounds like a pretty bad way to go. Which Truly. I didn't really want to cover because I was just like... Nobody needs to hear sad things. 
Yeah. Yeah. But, like, it's a neurotoxin. It's your brain going. But people live. Like, it's, like, especially in, like, modern medicine times. Like, just. Do the people who live, are they, like, super legit after? I didn't look into that. That sounds unfun. Yeah, no. (laughs) It's like, you had botulism and you lived, but unfortunately you can now no longer touch your toes. Or smell. Like, who's to say? Ooh, so sad. I know. Well, yeah, that's. That's it for this season, friends. But next season is coming up. And what will we be discussing next season? Secrets of the sauce. No, sorry. <laughs> secrets of the menu. Menu secrets? Restaurant secrets? Secret menu items? What's, what do we... We haven't decided on a title. It's going to be something about secret menu. Basically, it's going to be classic food items that started at restaurants. And are now ubiquitous to everyday life. Things like Caesar salads. Hidden Valley Ranch, baby! (laughs) I was thinking Beef Wellington, too, because I think that's very fun. Didn't start Mm. at a restaurant, but I just thought it would be, like, a fun exploration of the chef that brought that to the menu. Sure, maybe Waldorf salad. I love the idea of doing Waldorf salad. Maybe a baked Alaska. Who doesn't want to talk about a baked Alaska? Would love. Would love. If we do do baked Alaska, though, then you're going to have to hear about the time I tried to make one and then cried. And I'm sure I've already told you ten times, so... Enjoy me repeating my stories again, everybody. They wouldn't listen to this podcast if they didn't. Truly. All right. Well, we'll see you on season three. Yeah. We're going to take a break and then we'll come back. But uh, until then. That's right. Break time. Give us a nice little rating, a review, a subscribe. A follow. A tell a friend. Tell a foe. (laughs) My God. Are we going to be back just in time for Hot Girl Summer? Who's to say? Hmm. I don't know how much time off I'm going to need. <laughs> really, me either. And we'll see how she goes. Anyways, goodbye. We love you. Oh, yeah. Follow us on, pa- on Instagram, Pantry Staples Pod. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Love you. Incredible. We've nailed it.